I still don't see why I had to stay in this fucking crate once we set sail. This is our first episode of season five. Not ever, but of season five ever. Hello to everyone listening at home, and thank you for joining us. This is Game of Owns. Game of Owns. We're a podcast. We are a podcast, and you're listening, and it's Monday, unless you are several years in the future, dipping back into the archives, remembering the times when season five of Game of Thrones first aired and the internet exploded with tweets and words and, in our case, lots and lots of owns. This is the night. We are are recording this on the night that we will remember, the the night that we saw season five premiere. Yeah, and and both of you uh, celebrated in pretty epic fashion, at least that's... uh... What I was told over text message. <laughs> I think it's fair <laughs> to say that I'm still celebrating. I went to a brewery today that was celebrating here in Southern California, the obviously the the release of tonight's episode, and uh, with a marathon of season four, and also some thematic uh, brews on their own right. In addition these, to the these game drinks, ones. dude, that you sent a picture of. Oh my god! I just wanted to announce the ingredients of this epic cocktail. Or this epic, uh, you could call it a cocktail. Here. Yeah, not normally a cocktail, but today we'll yeah, take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So we have the mountain and the hound mm-hmm. at this thing. Mountain is described as a massive milk stout with medieval spice blend and cinnamon, <laughs> and cinnamon, <laughs> and cinnamon. A medieval spice blend and cinnamon, and it's a milk stout. And the hound is grapefruit IPA. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. I don't know. Does that do a disservice to the hound's memory? Grapefruit and kind of a fruity, fruity beer? I don't think so. He likes wine. No. But you clearly, you went for the mountain, didn't you? I did. I did. It was delicious. Did you have both? Don't lie. I only had one. And then I had a normal, okay. a regular milk stout. So <laughs> both were delicious. Can I just say it is exciting to be here. I know that we have had a full off-season slash on-season and to those of you who are new listeners, hello. Welcome. We are about to start a journey that is both exciting and full of mayhem, <laughs> wine, terror. My three-eyed raven, Saison Ale, is out. I have to go replenish uh, this week for for the next episode. But that was a wonderful addition to actually help me wash down. Guys, I, I couldn't get a clear answer off of anybody on, on, on Twitter, but is it bad to eat your own house sigil? <laughs> well, you saw what happened to our good friend, uh, Lord Eddard Stark, when he killed his house sigil. That's true. And that's effectively what you did. Kind of a delayed reaction there, right? I mean, he killed Lady in like episode two or three and so I've got seven episodes left, guys, before I die because tonight. Oh wow, the worst to come, Eric. Camel You're burgers, it all up. ladies and gentlemen. Camel burgers. I had a rewatch party, very small, just four people. Where did you find camel burgers? And also, Eric, I don't know how I feel about this eating a camel. I wasn't sure how I felt either about it, Zach, until I ate it, and I just, I just went and did it, and it's. Oh, it's a bit tasty. It's a very unique <laughs> taste, but spiced. It's kind of like having like spicy sausage or something. 
That's what I would compare eating camel to for anyone who's not had the opportunity to eat camel. And also for new listeners, uh, the house sigil of Game of Owns is camel. So I was Just feeling camel. pretty pretty daring. Mm-hmm. Yes, at the moment. And uh, I was feeling pretty daring when I went into this. But they thought it would be a joke. Of course, Andrew, uh, who was on the last spoiler episode that we did, uh, brought it over <laughs> as, as sort of a joke. And uh, it was, yeah. Where, it was, where it did was, he find Camel? Camel, it's, uh, there's a grocery store, a little, little higher end Just down the road. than the typical. Just down the road called uh, Mariano's. And uh, it's it's kind of supermarket where they have a, a grand piano in the uh, in the lobby in the foyer of a supermarket. They don't always hire some guy to play it though. But you also it's so it high plays end, by itself, doesn't you, it? You, well, it's one of those ones that is hooked up to the chip, and you can sometimes play it by itself. But it's it's too high end to where you as like. Uh, an amateur piano player, and of course, by you, I'm speaking of me, cannot go up and sit down and play chopsticks. They'll, they'll just kick you out. So apparently, this uh, store stocks camel burgers, but uh, they were hot too. They, we, they, we 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 were served hot. Uh, so they must they must have cooked it in the uh, in the supermarket just before coming here. So not bad. Bless bless uh, whoever decided to cook camels to celebrate. But I had that in addition to uh, the three head raven beer. So. I'm either going to die in seven episodes or, uh, well, going to die well fed in seven episodes. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there you go. I also uh, had some of the uh, Three Eyed Raven. Yes, and uh, it's an acquired taste. I will say that because mm. you know when I first first tasted it, I wasn't quite sure about it, but then I, I kind of warmed up to it a bit. Okay, and uh, I do I do enjoy it, and uh, uh, had some. Really, uh, throughout the weekend, I went on Friday, I picked up two bottles uh, to have all to myself and uh, used them very, very sparingly uh, uh, throughout the course of the weekend and really kind of went all for it today. But just the excitement surrounding today, I I remember um, earlier on in the day, no, we're not talking about Hillary Clinton announcing her presidential (laughs) bid, even though she tried to steal a little bit of the thunder there of Mm. of, uh, season five's premiere, but... Uh, Game of Thrones also launched this hashtag catch Drogon mm-hmm. campaign, mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was really, really well done and asking fans to find ways to entice Drogon to come uh, and find his way into your Twitter feed. And if you happen to get so lucky as to uh, have him come and, and find your wine or your goat or whatever you chose to entice him with and you retweeted him when he showed up you uh got a little bit of notoriety you got a little bit of a, a, a prize i think from uh game of thrones so uh huh. you know, doing those types of things i think you know, really kind of gets the fan community going and just seeing all the tweets that were out there posts on social media from celebrities and athletes and and just your everyday fan, um, but because that's what they are too. I mean, they mm. love Game of Thrones as much as we do, and uh, finally, episode one of season five is here. Well, guys, I, I would love to take this opportunity to let you all know that I have actually caught Drogon. Drogon, <laughs> there he is. Zach, 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 back away slowly, dude. Sorry, back away. Uh, get over here. You see, the thing is, him and Strike and he have been texting all day and uh, figuring oh, out. Yeah, so that's part of, of tonight's one of those celebration. Romances. Yeah. Well, he'll be hanging out during today's recording. All the magical creatures seem to love you, dude. (laughs) Today's excitement (laughs) is obviously bleeding into our recording. We're we're beyond jazz. We just had a a recap episode with Terry Schwartz that dropped a few days ago, and I say recap episode very uh, carefully there because it was it was full of a lot of different things, and I think it served well to get us very excited for for what is to come. 
And uh, after now having watched the first episode a good handful of times, I am now just sufficiently excited and and ready for this conversation with you guys we've been this has been it's been so long since we've had a game of thrones episode to speak about out loud that was new and you know we've been going through the book and all of that's there but tonight is for this we have an episode planned later in the week to pull in some of your outstanding owns that have been streaming in throughout the entire evening. I'm still retweeting right now. Yeah. Right? I'm just going through the feed as we're Micah recording. Micah has because... other things to do than to podcast with us right now. He's I, busy I'm taking care of our listeners who are taking <laughs> oh, the time yeah, yeah, yeah. to send in, as Zach mentioned, these amazing owns, which really yeah. just run the gamut. We're always impressed by what our listeners come up with, and trust us, there's a lot of good ones. I know we're going to share some later on the show, but the bulk of them uh, we will... Uh, keep very safe until uh, later on in the week uh, as we discuss some more in detail. But are are you guys are you guys having a difficult time picking what your owns will be for this episode because this episode in my mind had a lot of owns. I agree and the thing is Eric, I thought that that would be I thought that that would be the case until my final rewatch this evening and mm-hmm. I immediately found it and I feel very confident, and it, it doesn't happen very Ooh. often. Sometimes Ooh, so I, you're, you're sure. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I don't even pick an own until later into the episode, <laughs> or five seconds before I say it we out know. loud. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm very confident about mine, and I'm very, I'm just okay. Forget it. No fanciness. No, no proper transitions. Can I just say what an opening? It was. It was. It was bold, dude. That that right? stands out. That's that really stands out to me. <sighs> one word, one word only. Flashback. Mm-hmm. This is something. If you do not realize at first, as I did not, that what you're seeing is a flashback. You're looking at this girl who's clearly highborn, and her friend, who who the heck is she anyway? Talking about this one girl's father and going to see this woman, and when it dawns on you that they're actually talking about Cersei. That this is a back a backstory, and the party I was watching it with was just like that's Cersei. Oh my god! I'm like, Psh, this show doesn't do flashbacks. It can't be Cersei. Who is it? <laughs> well, she looks like Cersei. She's dressed like she Cersei. She carries Might herself have the like same Cersei, right? Necklace, it's right. See, it, I, immediately the first time I saw it, I was like, um, uh, this okay. I think this is Cersei. So Game of Thrones. I mean, they've blown the lid off. They're gonna do. I mean, this cannot, surely, now that they've gone there, this cannot be the only flashback we ever get. Well, the past is certainly being brought up more. So there's that. And, and that's exciting. And I, ho- right. I hope that this means there's a possibility for more of those. And I think that maybe the the reaction of all of us people may weigh into that partially. Maybe that's a little a little brave of me to say. But I'd like to think that it's... It's exciting for everyone as it is for me because it's it's very exciting for me. I want to see Henry Ian Cusick show up on the show as Desmond in the background, <laughs> just running running through somebody else's flashback. That's that's what I'm giddy about. Is I just I just want to see more 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 lost make its way into the show. But but I mean, guys, flashbacks. We know from reading the books how rich the backstory is. How Robert's rebellion for crying out loud and 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 all through the fork and the twins, the sacking of the city, uh, Stannis's survival. I mean, everything is on the table again. Everything. I think that uh, to open a season, not just any episode, but to open up a season this with a flashback, season. Yeah. this season, we know that really they've only done Bran's dreams in terms of 
you can't really classify that as being a flashback. Jump cuts but, and shots. Yeah. yeah, but it's kind of set away from time and space, right? Yeah. It, the, yeah. Heavy exactly. Netting. And I wanted to uh, point out uh, an own that we did get from Jake uh, Ponser, who said actress Nell Williams owned her role as young Cersei. She nailed her whole demeanor and it was very convincing. Yeah. She really did. That's yeah. That's what really told it because her name isn't her name is mentioned i guess at the end right somebody screams it mm-hmm. maybe or it goes it is the eyeline match to young and old cersei like they used to do right. in lost i can't keep talking about lie i can't keep her name is mentioned by her friend yeah, she's, okay, she okay. says cersei cersei for me the giveaway was you will not marry the prince you will marry, You'll a marry king. the king and i i am just filled with with robert baratheon sized chills i was like the Imagine, imagine Cersei young, and it's like instead of marrying the prince, you're, it's the guy who just led the rebellion against the Targaryen dynasty, and he's the king, and you will marry him. And it's just like that's uh, they're just putting some weight. They're putting lots of weight into what they've shot previously and what they've released previously with the show, and it's just so bold and it's just so confident, and it, and it just it's so, it's special. I like it. I can't believe they went there. I just can't believe they went. I was not prepared to start thinking about what they might show. Well, it's about damn time because there's there's good stuff there. <laughs> it, it, it is important. Clearly, the showrunners would not take the time to include something like this unless it was of the utmost importance, and perhaps it's even laying the groundwork for some of the season. Uh, the fact not only that you know she would marry the king, not the prince, and you know they do talk about her children here, uh, not in such a great light, to be honest. Can I say it was very ominous? Ominous indeed. She doesn't really have happy things to say about the kids, does she? Mm-mm. And she has a name, uh, and uh, this person was cast earlier uh I guess this year or probably more so last year, we got some news about this. Uh, she is known as Maggie the Frog, and uh, she wasn't referenced by name, I don't think, in this episode at all. Uh, but she's You're a, a fortune teller from Lannisport, or witch, for lack of a, a better term. This is my father's land, my <laughs> land. <laughs> she made that very, very clear. Right? And, and, okay, that's Cersei from that point. What do you think, uh, just as out of speculation, you know, Reading in this whole off season, or as we called it, the on season, when we were reading through Storm of Swords, um, we've made it to pretty much the point of the Red Wedding, so two-thirds of the way through the third book. And knowing that we've been introduced to different religions and different gods and different people who practice each of the religions, what would you say reminded you, what would you say this Maggie the Frog character reminded you of most? Was it, would it be Mary Mazder? Uh, because mm-hmm. she's kind of in like a grass hut the same way that, you know, like the last thing. Or there's the Cersei line about you you supposedly had three eyes. Right. You know, which that's that's a different god than the red god that Mary Mazder practiced over out east. That's the green sight giving three-eyed raven who lives north of the wall. So it's like, what religion is she? I mean, I have so many questions just about this frog character we're still talking about the first scene of this episode right it has to be a specific religion i i think that we've come to see that magic takes all forms Mm. in westeros and and in the east and perhaps she's just uh, a seer of sorts and that she's able to see the future but to answer your question she does uh remind me of miriam osdor in particular because of the blood magic yeah the blood magic got me she has to taste the blood of Cersei in right order to be able mm. to <laughs> uh, just the name 
uh, Maggie, they they believe, and and this is a character that appears in in A Feast for Crows in terms mm. of the flashback scene. That's where uh, we read it in the. So books. it is a real flashback scene that it is, is in yeah. The books. Okay. It's it's a bit different, um, and and we'll read it obviously when we get sure, to it. Sure, sure, sure. But Maggie, the idea that this name comes from uh, Magi. And so that oh. would again tie into Miriam Osdor. So the, there is a lot of uh, you get the same feeling, right? You mentioned yep. the the sort of the hut, the shack mm-hmm. uh, that we see in this opening scene, and it is reminding me a lot of when we saw you know Daenerys and Jorah go into the hut where Miri was doing her magic on Khal Drogo. They totally uh, – there's two things I want to mention here. First, that uh, we did credit that actress with having amazing, like, mannerisms. Like, I don't know if they did, like, a bring your younger self to work day or something where she just shadowed Lena Headey <laughs> around set. But she really did nail a lot of what we think to be, like, key Cersei-isms, didn't she? I yeah, mean, it's it was, almost with that – you can't even put it into words. It's just, like, it was, it was clear – quite soon who she was supposed to be and very well done with the match to action um directly into cersei arriving at the sept of balor i thought the first time i saw it i was just really i i feel like if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a massive massive fan of game of thrones i'm very sorry but our enthusiasm is is very much unbridled right now this is obviously a very exciting time so i think all of these hyperbolic things that are coming out of my mouth aren't quite characteristic, but they're just going to happen. <laughs> I was just, I thought, I was so just blown away. And that's a little much, obviously. But I was, when I saw the shot of Cersei and how, you know, Michael Slovis, the director on this episode, fantastic communication of the drama and the passion that we're feeling. It felt like this episode was crafted, and it's always felt this way, but even more so as time goes on. It feels like it's crafted for the moment that it airs. Not for necessarily rewatches, but for the Mm. moment that it airs and the world gets to see it together. And I think that that is a very special special trait of what Game of Thrones has done over the years. But especially so now as we enter and go into now the fourth month of 2015 and we're entering the fifth season of the show and it's so massive and they realize their audience is so large and we're catering to this massive group of passionate fans. I felt like that shot of Cersei how just simple in her litter and then how simple the next cut was of her getting out and how heavy it was when she looked up and then when it threw around over her shoulder and we see everyone and we see the passion in her face. And this is directly following seeing her as a child getting a prophecy about her having only three children to the 20 children king about how those children will wear a golden crown and they will also wear a golden shroud. It's, it's, communicating such heavy drama to both i feel like the passive tv viewer and also to us the 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 ravenous fan and i can't give it enough props i can't say enough great things about it and that's everything else aside adaptation aside what they decided to fit into this episode aside like whether you felt that this was a strong introduction to the series or whether it holds up against the other season's first episodes all of that aside this heaviness the the look to to Marjorie. Do you remember how it stayed on Jamie and Cersei when she walked into the Sept of Baylor? She stood beside Jamie. The music was thrumming, and it kind of held it a note, and it also held the shot, and it just gave us four or five seconds to look at them two standing with each other over yeah. Tywin's body. All of you listening know how important that is, and all of us watching 
know how important that is. They're standing over who was the orchestrator of everything we've seen to this point, and they're together. Tywin really saved their asses, and I think Jamie gets it. Jamie, Jamie knows. He, he, right, he warns Cersei that the ominous they are going to come for them and try and take everything that they have for themselves and love, and they no longer have Tywin Lannister's existence as protection. It's dangerous to be them now, but she's queen and her son is still king. And you wonder how can this continue to spiral out of control? And I don't want to say I'm feeling sorry for the Lannisters, but I really hope that this season is not bookended by the deaths, like the prediction of the deaths of Tommen and Marcella and the actual deaths of Tommen and Marcella. I like right. Tommen. He was great. He was great in this episode. He's he a, he's, he's a much, even Varys is like, yeah, he's, he's kind of nice <laughs> later on. But I'm just saying, like, I really hope that Lannisters are done dying just now. <laughs> and But there's no indication that that's the case because they open the season with this prediction that Cersei will pretty much lose everything that she loves. Thematically speaking, this episode spoke so true to its title, The Wars to Come. I know that it got a name Wars drop specifically from Mance later yeah, in the episode. Yeah. But this Jamie in such a strong work mode, I don't think we've seen it to this point. This degree. This is a person that we hated, if you guys remember, back mm-hmm. in the day. Oh, yeah. This, and now and now he's standing beside the body of Tywin Lannister, and he's counseling Cersei. He's, he's basically he's saying all of those people out there are our enemies. When they come inside and see for themselves that Tywin is dead, all that has been built is up to us to keep. Because Tyrion's gone. He took off. It is literally down to us two standing here. And we all know the the rumors that are attached to those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, it was made very clear that Cersei is on notice. It was done as much by uh, a returning Lannister a little bit later on. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Sure. But uh, what came to mind when I saw both Cersei and Jaime in the Sept of Baelor next to one of their dead relatives. Are they going to do it? (laughs) They at least had the respect to not uh, get freaky next to the body of a dead Tywin Lannister. Life is much Uh, more serious now that daddy's gone. Yeah. And absolutely. You both touched on the very, very important point that with Tywin Lannister now dead, and even Stannis mentions this uh, later on in the episode, they are very, very susceptible to outsiders and to really losing control. And I, and I think that that is what you're meant to feel as somebody who is watching the show with the way the season begins, with the way this episode begins, this, you know, fortune teller uh, type of individual uh, from many, many years ago, this the uh, prophecy, maybe, but you know, th- th- what is being told? You're gonna die, Charlie. <laughs> are we slowly starting to see it come to fruition? Because we know certain parts of it have already come to pass. And and how about Marjorie made an appearance in this prophecy? I mean, this this woman who's much younger and more beautiful. Take is your it place. Marjorie? Oh, why wouldn't it be? But yes, I mean... Couldn't it be Sansa? Could uh, it be Daenerys? So this whole time she's been prejudiced against Sansa, it's because of this... It's par- partially informed no, I, by I this... No, I mean, there are other beautiful women... I like that. that. exist in Westeros. She's remembered. She was old enough to remember that prophecy or that fortune rather well. So I, right. I thought, also thought that the first time I heard it, I was like... 
Okay, well, this explains why she's been kind of sharp to the ascending young. I get like it. Like that okay. is unbelievable. Yeah, that's very, that's very smart. Really quite cool and, mm-hmm. and cool to throw that in in the fifth season. I mean, very brave storytelling, very smart story storytelling. Hats off to George R. R. Martin and and to the show's runners and uh, writers for doing such a great job at that. I, I have to say though, guys, honestly, we've spent the entire. I mean, we've spent the last year essentially going over the books and going through content that has been stuff we already knew about with slight changes and uh, redirections with certain character lines. And, you know, you, we get that. But I, I don't think I was ready to talk about new things. Honestly, like this is this is hard. <laughs> this is this is uh, to everyone that is listening and, and has been listening for a long time. You know that this is kind of like Eric and I have no idea about these things. So Cersei and Jamie standing over... Tywin being not alive any longer, and most convincing corpse, by the way, he yes. did not move an inch. <laughs> those, he was actually taking a nap. Those uh, those lines that came out of their mouths. I mean, this is. I mean, not to mention everything else in the episode, but this is such a big deal. There's no Varys left in King's Landing. There's no yeah. Littlefinger. There's no one that we can kind of trust to make things happen. Our, our chat with Terry really made that clear that who's left in King's Landing? Like it's Cersei and Jaime. That's it. Mm-hmm. Grandmaster Pycelle. He uh, had a line in this episode, and he was useless as always. So there's <laughs> there's nothing there that we can depend on. And every episode, just... every scene he's in where he walks out of the scene alive, I'm just shocked. <laughs> I'm like, at, at this point, Cersei has such like disregard for him. I, I can't believe she doesn't just like stab him to death in every time she gives him that that look, which is just like, get, you're useless. Get out of here. I thought she was going to do that to Lancel, honestly, as much oh, as he gosh. knows. And but he's how... found God. You can't really, you can't really fault a boy for finding and God. And lost right? his shoes while finding God. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's standing alone in that one shot by the windows after she walks out of the, uh, the reception, essentially. And I think that that is so important and it has so much imagery attached to it, what that means. Like, there's no one there with her. And things are really going to be shaken up this season. I'm very, very excited to see what is happening. And like Eric right. said before, we've only spoken about a few scenes now. So <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you're right, though. When she gets out of her litter, she is, is it Sir Marin uh, guiding her, guiding her, walking up with her at the Captain stairs? Douchebag, yeah. <laughs> Captain Douchebag. When, he, when she's drunk, at the window, yeah. she's alone. Like, she doesn't even have guards for the insides of places, and she's vulnerable. Like, her brother's pointing out that she's vulnerable. But I, I guess, you know, part of what uh, allows us to talk about these new things is to also talk about how they relate to these old things. Cersei's prejudice for Tyrion was made very clear again in that scene with her and Jaime, how she now blames Jaime for letting, him go, for letting Tyrion out, which, you know, fair enough. Because he ended up killing their father and put, putting them in this situation. Um, not that she gave him very much of a choice, and I don't think Jamie pointed that out. But at the same time, um, her continued disapproval, her continued name-calling of Tyrion really kind of irked me. But it's just like, it's something that she should get over, but she won't. And I, I think she is right in pointing out now that he put you know them in that terrible situation. But She had a line where she said, uh, Tyrion may be a monster, but at least he killed our father on purpose. Mm. Right. You killed our father by accident. Gosh. Right. But Jamie's right, Siblings though. This bigger. is exactly what they want. This is exactly what they want. They want you to be. They want. First off, they want everything in Discord. I don't know if they specifically want this kind of rivalry, but between these three siblings, we've got Cersei being angry as always, but I guess this time it's much founded because he did put a bolt in Tywin or, or two. Two bolts, and, yeah. And, and now. 
now she's got you know disruption toward Jamie, but not enough to to shake their foundation because that's all they have is each other. So she can't exactly angrily walk away from Jamie, who's still a member mm-hmm. of the King's Guard, and as she pointed right. out, guarding. Tywin's dead body, which I felt like kind of a hint toward them feeling like Tywin was the true king. I thought that was a very interesting little little bit, but it's just, there's so much, it's heavy. Yeah, it it is, and we're faced for the first time in a long time with not having somebody in power in King's Landing that you're fearful of, right? I mean, Tywin really, for the last couple of seasons, has been the man. Yeah. And it was Robert before that. I mean, Joffrey was never really somebody I don't think that we viewed as being this all-powerful king. He was psychopathic. Uh, he definitely inspired fear in certain well, people. Well, that was enough for me as a viewer. Like even he wasn't my... a ruler though, and, and but he had Littlefinger. He had Varys still there. He, not to mention he had Tywin. A war was being fought, Shit so we weren't done. exactly worried about the, the peace of the area. You know what I mean? Like yeah. He still had everything surrounding him, not to mention he had the people that had to listen to him if he wanted someone to be killed on a moment's notice. To both your points, though, now, there there's almost a, a power vacuum that exists in hmm. King's Landing, right? Because you have somebody who was responsible for the Red Wedding. You have somebody who is responsible now for the Boltons being controlled in the north. Uh, and Stannis is at the wall. Danny is still out east, mm-hmm. and a man who was working really to keep his family at the top of everything is now gone. And so, what does that mean to Cersei and Jaime, in particular, now that they have to try and really hold court and and keep their family? above all these others it, it's going to be interesting to watch them try and do this because tywin has always been there he may not have always been in king's landing but he was always there in the background in some way pulling the strings he was a puppet master uh for for a lot of this in as much as players like Varys and Baelish have been puppet masters but he really was the head of this family and now he's gone and is kevin now lord of casterly rock I'm assuming. That's a good question. Yeah, we saw Kevin come back yeah, yeah. in this episode. They made a point of, of showing his face, and uh, I'm sure he will have a role to play this season. That's what I'm thinking, because he had that little warning, you know, kind of apologetically for Lancel, and then I immediately thought, hmm. And I, I honestly, I haven't, maybe this is kind of poor of me, but we've been switched into ASOS mode over the past collection of months but i haven't thought i haven't thought once about who would be taking up the mantle after Tywin's death because Tyrion would have gotten it but he's he's i mean he's gone and his question with i suppose we can we can move on to that scene but his question to Varys, like do i still get to be a lord i think that that's kind of interesting because <laughs> do, i mean is he does he still technically have his dominion i'm i'm curious well, I imagine that one of Cersei's first actions will be to get her son to decree that Tyrion is Westeros's most uh, yes. wanted. Good point. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, like, man most wanted. I, I think she'll probably, what, what Tywin did with the Hound, where he says, how much do you think it would take for, you know, the lowest of low, you know, idiots to go and try their luck with the Hound? And they said, three dragons. And he's like, make it a hundred. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what Cersei is going to do to Tyrion, because she has this this hatred for him. 
And I don't think she can spare Jamie to send him off in pursuit of Tyrion. But knowing that he got away, I don't even know if she knows like where he went. Um, but she could find out. She could just put a, I don't want to say nationwide, a worldwide uh, hit out on him, though. That is, I think, within her power still. She doesn't have a clue at this point where yeah. he went. Uh, that much is made obvious, I think, by Varys later on in the episode when he gives Tyrion that very reason almost as to why he couldn't let him out of the crate. Uh, he says, you're a wanted man. And if you're caught, you're dead. And if I'm with you, I'm dead too. So uh, you had to stay in there and uh, suffer your own shit being stuffed <laughs> through the little holes in the side of the crate. My viewing party was comic. Cause when he falls out of that crate, we're like, okay, where's this shit? Cheers. <laughs> he grew, he grew a beard. Is that just, shit smeared on his face or what's oh, going on no. no 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 but that that our question was answered he had in to the be most cramped clear of ways too. like that's true Tyr- Tyrion produced it and uh, Varys threw it over the side of the boat not too <laughs> bad like, right oh my god Game of Thrones answering all the important questions the walk through Pentos through the eye hole that was nice getting to see some things it was nice for them not to have to build sets for each of those places that they <laughs> saw <laughs> It's like, it's like, here's a pinwheel, and you turn it, and you look, oh, there's an alley. That looks nice. And if you go back to the episode from, I'm not going to get the season right here, because I just can't remember which one it was, but uh, I think I may have said something in one of the episodes that we did uh, when Varys has that scene with his little friend in a crate. Uh, that he brings in, and I think yeah. it was a little bit of a tip of a cap to what was going to happen to Tyrion yeah. later on in the series. Okay, we're talking about Varys and and old scenes with him, but he actually met with Magister Illyrio back in season one, mm-hmm. and Arya was just learning to water dance. Ciro Farrell was teaching, and she she's trying to what catch a cat. I think she goes down to the crypts, and who is it that's speaking? But Varys and Illyrio. And I loved that in this episode, we get almost what we imagine to be a a satisfactory backstory for what that first scene that we saw was was even all about. Uh, Basically, that Varys is part of a a group, including Illyrio, uh, that were put together once they realized that Robert was not going to be a a great ruler. Um, And it was a group... For the support for uh, supporting the targeted restoration of the Targaryens, or a person you know who's who, who would who would do a better job. It's like S P E W, but for the Targaryens. Right? <laughs> society for the for the betterment of Westeros. Yeah, but like these these men who quite dangerously took it upon themselves, but they were right. They were right, and 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 Illyrio, who did not make an appearance, even though Tyrion <laughs> besmirched his house, um, you know, got to use his got to use his rug pretty hard. Um, oh, who does not well. make an appearance is 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 one of these men, and that to me makes a very satisfying question from a long time ago, like feel like it's been touched on. I'm sure they can get more into it, but. But Varys not only has his network of little birds who we imagine to be orphan children, nothing better to do than to listen to the peoples, but he's got these adults who very clearly like are would describe their motives as being, quote, for the realm, the way Varys does so often in these episodes recently. And I think you get confirmation of his support of the Targaryens. You touched on it a little bit. And right. I think it's something that we have been talking about for 
quite a while many on moons. this show. Many, many moons. It's, it's becoming much more apparent who he favors in the wars to come. And he tries to recruit Tyrion a little bit later on in this episode mm-hmm. to go and meet up with Daenerys. And I think that now you're starting to see how these larger players who maybe don't have the brute force or the physical strength that some of the others that we've seen come along, the Ned Starks of the world, the Tywin Lannisters of the world, those like Varys and Littlefinger, you're starting to see where their true allegiances really lie. To themselves. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, but we were talking about whether Tyrion was a lord or not. Varys is definitely not a lord, but he's he's going to make this introduction. And apparently Tyrion's going to have a choice over whether he feels Daenerys is right for it or not. I mean, Varys is just like, let, let me show you this lady. You know, you, you get to decide if she can be a, a good ruler well, or not. She's or right he fit. can stay back at... Illyrio's pad and get shit faced. Can I still drink myself to death on the road to Marine? <laughs> Man. Typical Tyrion. Typical, typical Tyrion. He's, he's hurting. I know they didn't, I, I don't think they mentioned it, but he's probably still hurting from Shay. He's probably hurting just in from general. Killing his father as well. It's rough. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's going through a lot. Yeah. That chugging the wine, the boot, then rally, throw up. <laughs> and then, all right, I'll drink some more. <laughs> I, I, I loved that when I I've, when I watched it at the screening the other evening at the UTA or the United Talent Agency where that Brian Cogman spoke at. And it was a really nice evening. Uh, I got to kind of gauge where the audience was feeling or what they were feeling during certain moments. And during that mm-hmm. line, when he says, I still don't see why I had to stay in this fucking crate when we <laughs> set sail. Like, that's really funny. Can I just say that? Good twist on writing there. And then obviously Varys is back and forth. I feel like they're repl- replacing a lot of the companionship we got from Arya and the Hound and we got from Jamie and Brienne. And we're getting it now with Tyrion and Varys. So that's really fun. I'm also very disappointed that there was no Arya in this episode. But uh, There was no Arya. There was no Dorne. I was no. looking on the map in the beginning like, I thought we were getting Dorne. Well, it's only the first episode. We I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And we're probably not going to get Rickon or Gendry anytime soon. So no. I, there's, I'll just add it to the list that I recite before bed every night <laughs> of things of things that I want. But, uh, but you know, like, Dorne, I, I, I was able to make my uh, Pentos joke uh, during the opening credits, which I haven't been able to do since season one when Illyrio and Danny were last there, right. which is that I just say, Pentos, the fresh maker. Every time it comes on, it's an old, old breath mint joke. Ter- terrible, <laughs> terrible. Not even funny. It was never one of the funny, best breath mint jokes. Though, I, I got, I got to make it. So it was, it was super funny to see that again. But I noticed that Dorn wasn't on the list. But apparently, um, you know, we're speaking about the opening credits. But apparently, Winterfell has a new flag up. Yep. Uh, in the opening credits, mm-hmm. that the flayed man of Bolton has something to do with it. Yep. I, I missed this, but somebody else pointed this out. And uh, I, I got to say, that is a little terrifying. It's but, a little scary, yeah. Little, and Stannis mentions that he too. does. Oh. Yeah. Listen, we can't talk about Stannis without a, mo- a moment of silence and respect for that shot of him and Davos staring into the north. Ominously. That was amazing. That yeah, was it. Said wonderful. so much without saying anything. I loved it. Yeah. I, I also, before we move past Dorne, though, I want to say yeah. that Dorne got kind of a tiny 
plug. Did you guys catch that when um, Oliver sure. was looking at Sir Loris's birthmark and they were they, Sand Snake's got a little plug, <laughs> right? It's like what is it called, Sand Snake? And it's like okay, Sand Snakes will come later. What is it called, Sun Spear? Okay, well that's what they that's their thing. That's the, or, oh okay, I got it. Stone you know, Spear. Some people have maps of the London Underground on their knee. Loris has uh, a, a geographic uh, political map of Dorne on his inner thigh. The more you know. Hashtag the more you know. No, that was that was wonderful. Loris was, was great to see. We saw Loris. We saw Lancel. I was able to tell them apart this time. It was, it was great. the hair, right? It was the hair. It was the hair. Uh, Loris, no, sorry, Lancel got a, uh, a a Jamie Lannister haircut. Jamie Lannister beginning of season four haircut. But I think they took it even a little shorter. A bit shorter. And, and clearly he hit the gym too. He did. Uh, yeah. The uh, can we should just mention between the uh, Loris and Oliver scene mm-hmm. and uh, Lancel and Dario. I think we've met our quota for the number of owns we've received as it relates to uh, yes. male nudity. Male nudity? Yeah. yeah well, look, we got male butts. Lots of male butt owns. Fellas, we were due. We were due. We knew this yeah, going well, in. Sometimes yeah. you gotta. All right. Sometimes you gotta. I saw the nudity logo. I was like, oh, welcome back, old friend. And it's dudes. But hey, they all are good. So whatever. Well, there there was a bit of female nudity uh, earlier in the episode. Oh, uh, in, in, in Marine. Uh, in Marine. That's, That's true. For that scene, guys. Can I just say Larry the Wombat tweeted at us and said, Lancel clearly <laughs> owns a gym. Hashtag <laughs> own of the week. <laughs> he does. He. Yeah. I, I need to get on that plan. <laughs> the oh, Lancel yeah, that... plan. Actually, you just have to reaffirm your your religion to another sect and uh don a robe and you know from all there the sparrows, the sparrows, the sparrows yeah. are all about the uh, pilates oh, <laughs> you might need a little bit more in body weight we'll see the pilates yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure but um oh gosh let's get the the unsullied um while we're talking about the the other nudity um going into a brothel to have a woman just kind of sing to you uh, hold you and hold you and hum that was pretty sad. Uh, very it was, it was emotional. Very moving. Really, really uh, sad to watch. I think. And I, to be honest with you, at the beginning, I thought you know, with the plan that Lancel was on, I thought I was watching Grey Worm for a second, who also you know hit the gym. But then I right. realized that <laughs> I thought was... that too. I thought that too. Yeah, the actors don't really look similar the more you look at them. But right away, I thought, oh, that's Grey Worm. But this was a, a new character called White Rat. Yeah. White Rat. Yeah, and little uh, rest in peace, White Rat. Yeah. He's he was clearly in the construction business, or at least the demolition business. <laughs> he was the foreman, right? Yeah, he was responsible for uh, taking the harpy down, and uh, oh, clearly the sons of the harpy probably did not take too kindly to that, and uh, he became, I believe, the first casualty of season five. So you answered my question right there as to who the hell or why the hell somebody would kill him. <laughs> sons of the harpy, huh? That was okay. an amazing sequence the harpy statue falling i think that was i mean i think we can all agree that was very awesome visual effects but it 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 falling cascading in the continuous flow and then and then the eyeball being you know what would be a feeder yards from the camera was very cool that effect was nice and then obviously white rat walking into the frame turning around and it kind of being foreground background just from a technical standpoint that was excellent and it was it was so sad when he was in the brothel and he simply wanted to lie beside her. I, I, I don't know. 
I thought to myself, yeah. it's a hard life. And it did a really good job of saying, again, so much without saying anything at all. And upon several rewatches, I think more of it will, will bleed into your mind. But essentially what's happening here is these are a people that have been given the ability to think for themselves for the first time. And it's probably a tough reality to live with, you know? And to see that upward slice of the dagger just after we kind of start feeling emotion with this person. That feeling was, something. It's, like, it's just like the Red Wedding all over again. Yeah, well, welcome back. Welcome. Yeah. It's crazy because clearly Danny is having problems and her unsullied are finding their way into brothels. This is not the first, right? who ends up there, at least we learned that, and there's this awkward conversation that takes place between Missande right? and Grey Worm. Missande Holmes getting to the bottom of the mystery, or is it Missande Watson? I haven't decided yet, but she's 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 quizzing him. She's like, why would a... And then suddenly go to the, the brothel. She's really getting down to the, the, the meat of the, the matter here. Well, in this case, it's it's they've got sort of a blossoming relationship after what we've seen from season four. So I, right. I'm assuming that she's curious, you know, like obviously they're from a utility perspective, not really getting their money's worth <laughs> visiting a brothel. So she's, <laughs> she's curious as to why they're going there. So I, I thought that that moment where they, I wasn't quite sure if, if Grey Worm did know or didn't know why they were going, but clearly right. he's not comfortable enough to share that information with her yet. Absolutely. And we also learned that, uh, Things have, at least for the time being, somewhat improved themselves back in Yunkai, and that Danny is being asked to reopen the fighting pits mm. of both Yunkai and Marine mm. to kind of pay homage to the traditions uh, that have been a part of these cities for many, many years. This was and really interesting. His daughter was pissed. That she said, yeah. no. so mad. That, <laughs> How many he, different ways? He took it really you know. well. Did you he see like his really lip quiver well. as the shot, like the, as it cut <laughs> to her being in the bedroom with that glorious bed hair? Like his lip was, ugh, he, he was not happy. I like, I like that transition, how they went from her in the throne room to her in bed and showed the different, like her character and that Dario is still trying to persuade her about the fighting pits. But just this idea that she is not respecting, she's just like flat out, no, I'm not going to incorporate any of your old traditions because they included slavery. And it's not really the way to go. She's still got a way to learn. You know, Dario, I, I'm not quite sure if he convinced her in this, but but he just showed her that basically the fighting pits for him were a way to, to gain, uh, well, not only the training, but the, the fame that is simply impossible when you're when you're somewhere where there's just so many people. The recognition, you know, the, the right. honor of, of of sorts, and it, it doesn't have to do with being a slave so much as as it does have to do with you know kind of sport in in a bloody way. I won't I won't deny that it's not a sport I would ever care to play, <laughs> fighting pits. But Danny is summarily just denying these people everything that they're used to, and I think his dar Zolorek was very kind in the way that he tried to state his case. But ultimately, Dario is going to have to take it from there. Well, she's right, though. She is a queen. And as far as politicking is concerned, I don't think that she's interested in submitting things that she doesn't necessarily agree with. She sees the brutality in it. She recognizes the violence in its history. And so it's like there, there are two sides of this coin. It's really it's a hard thing to approach because... 
she is ruling this place that is so far away from where she's from, essentially, and, and their traditions mm-hmm. and customs are such. So where do you go? You know, like, what's what's the middle ground here? And I'm interested to see where this ends up going. I know that Dario gave her some good, sound, real-world advice. I'm curious to see how she applies it. You know, I'm going to compare her to Cersei here story-wise because she's dealing with the idea that her subjects won't like her. She's starting to deal with that. Um, Cersei is is much further in to where Jamie and her are, I think, a couple of days short of just hitching up their skirts and going um, with everything that they love, you know, in a, in a bag or in a little thing behind them. But Danny's just starting to realize, like, somebody's killed an Unsullied guys, and it wasn't in battle. Somebody has underhandedly like gone against her because of something that she made happen. And this is something that, I mean, short of full on uprising, these, this is how this starts where her subjects are unhappy and she's being cautioned and and Barristan is not worth his weight in gold right now um, for not, you know, having a line or going up and saying, you should really be paying attention to whether or not your people like you. Um, it's that, that theory that gets brought up sometimes on the show about where power comes from. And if she does not have the support of the people she's conquering, she won't be regarded as a liberator. And of course they mentioned the dragons too, that she's a mother of dragons, but she can't even control her dragons or doesn't even have her dragons anymore because she locked them up in the basement. Like it's very interesting to see Danny so vulnerable in this season premiere. And I think that's clearly going to be a thread that, that, um, goes on the rest of the season. Yeah, that was... That was something it was very bold of, of Dario to to say, you're the mother of dragons, you know? Like, if you're not the mother of dragons, if you're not the, the queen that has dragons, then I don't think you're really queen at all, you know? Like, what is what is the dragon queen with no dragons? And so her and, visiting the, the place that they were locked in, it was just uh, the little chain moving kind of a la horror film there for a moment. <laughs> it's not good. I, I don't know how I, I don't like seeing Daenerys afraid of her dragons. This does not bode well. Like you can't show fear to your your animal. You know, you have to be no. essentially the, the pack leader in this case. I don't think dragons <laughs> really, really follow that that line of thought. But at the same time, you know, without the bravery and the badassery, there's not going to be followers that are beneath you in a kingdom that can technically work. And in this case, there's not going to be dragons that respect you. So I think uh, a threat of this season may be Danny finding her footing or not finding her footing. Right. Yeah. I mean, these people who follow her are choosing to follow her, right? She freed the slaves. She told them they could do whatever they wanted to. And if they fall out of her favor, they could walk. All 8,000 Unsullied could walk. Yeah. It It's a great point. It really is because... She needs to find her power again, and her power lies in her dragons and her ability to control them. And Brienne of Tarth uh, gave us a great own, uh, which said, My owns go to the dragons for being teenagery and pissed off at being grounded <laughs> because their brother's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, little brother. <laughs> so uh, I just think it, it shows that she is not in control right now. And I think that... We saw that last season uh, with Drogon, and we still don't really get much information on him in this episode. We just know that he's off. Possibly halfway across the world. Doing who knows That's what. That's exciting. That's Hopefully really... I, I want to know, I wanna know where he is. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Frey Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Frey Nuggets. <laughs> Frey Nuggets. Frey Nuggets. Frey Nuggets. Frey Nuggets. Are other two dragons oh, yeah. don't seem to be too happy with no, her. No, they're not. These were the dragons that were obeying her, yeah. right? And, and for... 
the better part of the entire series, and now they've been locked up. I'd be pissed and, off too, just so we're clear. Yeah, it's like who walks off. them? Where does their shit go? What are they eating? <laughs> These are things what that I need to know. Varys isn't yeah. dumping them overboard. Like, let's be honest here. Well, they're catacombs. They go for miles. <laughs> right, but there's those chains can only go so far. Those chains don't. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like how many corners can you have? Like they're big dragons. I don't know. <laughs> And they're going to keep getting bigger, so what happens when those chains break? Yeah, well, it's about time to fix that situation. Daenerys, Stormborn, I am rooting for you. rooting for you. Please, please. uh, I'm sure somewhere in Marine there's a dragon psychologist that can work out all these issues. The Sons of the Harpy, um, that was a scary moment when we saw the mask above the dead body, and I really... Would love to see them be rooted out by the Unsullied after that. Just, just they've been fighting since they were old enough to hold a sword. Like I want to see some some action. I want to see Dario Naharis use all of this these great skills that he so casually bragged about in front of his lady. I thought it was just a little unnecessary. It's like, oh yeah, well, I mastered how to be a Dothraki screamer. I mastered how to be a Westerosi knight. It's like, okay, buddy, you're already in bed. You're already pouring the. The, the pear brandy, if that's not the pear brandy, it sure made me thirsty for it. Like, let's move on, let's move on. Daenerys is getting distracted, but she has great hair, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be fun to watch uh, how her storyline develops throughout this season, especially knowing that Varys and Tyrion may very well be headed in her direction. Yep. I'm just glad that we've got all this action in the East. And it's so cool, to again, to see Tyrion and Varys together in the way that they are together. Because we've had hints of it throughout the series, both in the books and in the show. And we've had really great conversations. And now we know that we're going to have a lot more. So that's a lot to look forward to for next week and the weeks to come. A bulk of this episode takes place at the Wall. And I think that... Yeah, it does. We can get there, but there were a couple of other smaller scenes that I thought were important to discuss. One of them being uh, Sansa and Baelish. Yeah. (laughs) And our good friend, young Robin, who seems to be doing (laughs) okay, considering he doesn't have a tit to suck on. That's true. So he is at uh, the home of one Lord Royce, it appears. Waymar Royce. And uh, he's going to be staying there for a considerable period of time, at least for the immediate future. And he's trying to train himself. Or well, <laughs> I think he's, he's doing he's his best suffering effort. the training. Yes, <laughs> he's thirteen and he, he's holding a sword like a boy with what do he say? Like he said something about a girl, girl with, with palsy. palsy. Yeah, that's rough. But I mean, at the same time, I'm it's surprised like, Thrones went there. To be honest with you, I feel like that's probably a, a, a risky line to put yeah, out there in this day and age. It's rough, but at the same time, you know, for comedy for comedy's sake, there's been worse and there will be worse. So. Lord Royce, not too happy. I actually just rewatched the scene because the episode's replaying on HBO right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> just it it just happens in the background. That, that's easy. <laughs> that it was uh, able to pop up. Yeah, I tweet and watch TV during the show. Not too it's bad. Great. Uh, but Sansa in these scenes looks so much like Catelyn. So much. Yeah. She went to the hairdresser and was just like, hi, hairdresser. Uh, the Catelyn, thank you very much. Side-eyeing Baelish throughout. Baelish is in, you know, obviously he's feeling some, he's in a place of power. I, I don't even was know, man. Very much evident when they were riding in the carriage with all of those armed men. I was just like, wow, Peter Baelish, you've really, 
you've moved on to a different place. We've got mm-hmm. death, destruction, and decay in so many parts of the world, but here you are hanging out with a girl that you've always wanted to hang out with, and you're setting young Robin up in a situation that may or may not be safe, and then you're traveling to unknown lands for unknown reasons with all I'm this mystery. I'm so surprised that he's not staying at the Eerie a little bit longer. Like, he's the Lord of the Vale, and clear, like his ambition has always been to move on, right? To be the next, next, be- next best thing, next best thing. But Lord of the Vale, he's leaving, and he tells uh, Sansa that he's taking her to a land so far from here that Cersei Lannister can't get her hands on you. But he just mm. came from the Vale, which is impregnable. Nobody has ever like gotten through it. Everyone has died at the Bloody Gate who's ever tried to lay siege to it. If you want Sansa to be safe, then that's the place <laughs> for her to be. Like you don't take her. We presume to Winterfell, where thousands of Bolton men who don't like you very much are rooting and 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 golding. I don't know how the hell they're gonna do this. Like he's taking her onward. It doesn't make sense to me that he's not manning the the veil because I feel like his his position there, his power is 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 not quite as cemented as you know. Do your do follow up there and and kind of make sure that things are cool. He just kind of drops Robin off with the aunt and uncle, goes goes off with Sansa, his love. This is a man who's very calculating and plans quite far in advance. And I think that while we've discussed at times that Sansa could be his ultimate undoing, uh, because maybe he just doesn't have as much of his guard up right. around her, I think or maybe he'll yeah. continue to let his guard fall around her as time goes on. That could be a major issue, especially if she learns more about what he's responsible for. Yeah, and more about what he's doing. That's the impression that I got. Just the the way they were speaking so frank with each other in the carriage. I was like, this is this is going to grow. Like she's found a, a very higher, very much higher level of confidence in the way they're speaking to each other. There's less right. questioning and more of bold statementing, and uh, I think it'll only progress over the season. And speaking of the carriage, right? They just pass by Brienne and Pod. Too who much. Are... That was almost too much. <laughs> they were literally Showing just talking by the river. Yeah, Podrick's like Sansa might still need your help, and she's like, nah. And like, there's Sansa just you know riding by <laughs> in a carriage. Gosh, Brienne is so butthurt about her loss to the Hound. Well, she beat the Hound. She lost Arya. Yeah, that's true. Um, she's not taking it well. No, she reminds Pod that she's not a knight, that he's not even a squire, and kind of bids him to, to go off on his own and not follow her anymore. I don't know. That's Pod's just so loyal though. He's very loyal. He's, he's where else will I go? It's a a very attractive quality. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, we know from the trailer that I guess it's snowing where they end up, but Pod did mention going to the wall and Brienne did not seem too keen on it. It was all in an effort, right? To, to track down Sansa some further. So maybe he does get her to cave in and, and that's kind of what their plot is. But we know who she's going to find when she gets up there, and it's not something that is at all what I think she's expecting. Well, she's got that beautiful sword with her, which it's I a great sword. It'd be a shame to waste that Valyrian steel sword. Yeah, just walking around the countryside with the pod. So I hope that they get moving. That was such a small <laughs> scene, but just enough was said, just enough was discussed. Obviously, the wall was mentioned, so we know from the trailer she's going yeah. somewhere cold. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that that's something that we're going to approach as the episodes continue. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, head to the wall. It's a Finally. Great segue. All right. That worked yeah. out. A lot going on up there, I think. And uh, we start out really uh, with John, who's training uh, little, Ollie. little Ollie. 
Oh, little Ali. Well, yes. I call him little Ali. Not uh, so little Ali. He's grown up some over the past <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, he's grown up, and uh, John, he clearly doesn't hold a grudge because we know Ollie is responsible that's, for that's uh, true. killing yeah. a grit. That's true, isn't it? That is well, that would be true. kind of small of John to have a grudge. They were in the middle of a, a siege, and the place that they were yeah. it was burning. People were dying. You know, it's kind of a big deal. There was a dire wolf running around chewing on people. Like, let's be honest. The guy, <laughs> the kid did what he thought he had to do. And the and girl was, was pointing an arrow to, at him. Yes, it was questionable whether or not she would have actually killed him. I think she was ready to do it. So there's that. He, yeah, in all fairness, probably thought that he was saving John in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So John's training him, beating the hell out of his shield, knocking him to the oh, ground. Oh, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> I don't think it was less if sword fighting. If it wasn't heavy, it wouldn't stop a sword. <laughs> well, that's a good point. It's a good point. So it's good cool point. to see the tables turn after five seasons. Uh, we have Jon Snow on the other side, and Alistair Thorne is not yelling at him to tell him to get back to his steward duties. He's walking around with Jon O'Slint, who I hoped would not be around after the Battle of Castle Black, is still around, and he's not telling Jon to stop. So things at the Wall have changed. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that King Stannis is around, but it's good, and it felt good, and everything at the Wall was just exciting. Like I said earlier, that shot of them standing and looking toward the north, and the small conversation where they spoke of how the men love him and how some of the men hate him. It's just, I don't know. It's feeling good right now, and I know that there is a vote soon for another Lord Commander, so I don't know. I have hopes, I have dreams, but like John, I want many things. Mm -hmm. That was talked about too, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, the, by Sam. This, by confident Sam. How about Sam's confidence? He's like, He's like I've <laughs> killed. <laughs> I'm not exactly a recruit. And Gilly I'm looks at him like, only... okay. Yeah. Gilly was telling him he needed to get his ass in shape. Yeah, she's like, why aren't you training? <laughs> oh, I killed a White Walker. And, good uh, old Sam. Good old Sam. But Melisandre comes and finds John, and it's like, the king wants a word with you. And they get in the elevator, and I'm, you ever shout at the TV, guys? Do you ever? <laughs> well, I the, warned you about this scene. Where the hell yeah, is Stannis' office? I'm like, she's taking him up to the top. I'm like, does he of just course. have a cubicle at the top of the wall? Like, what's he doing? And, of course, they show him in Davos. He's got a nice view. Yeah, great view. And they're just looking off the edge, pissing off the edge of the world, for, for, for lack of a better term. But... Melisandre, by the way, has the shittiest role in, in, in or the actress, Carice Van Houten, because she's up there with all these guys who are in fur coats, but her character does not get cold, right? So she is still going to like be wearing these bare chested, uh, you know, like revealing, slightly more revealing, less protective clothes because her character doesn't need to stay warm. Well, I, I promise you the studio they shot in was room temperature and comfortable. Oh, okay. All and right, they had craft right, services right. a few yards away out of the camera shot. All right. So. All right. <laughs> I just feel a, a little bad for that actress going in. I think that's, that's probably, she's probably getting a bad rap for that. She's got the Lord's fire inside of her. So, yeah, well, yeah. I thought that I was really clever. Right. I'm not sure if that's in the books. I'm curious, obviously, when we get there, but uh, that was very clever. Right. Her pushing forward with John, kind of increasing our paranoia to their possible situation oh, was nice. Just like, hey, this is only the first episode of the season. We're going to give you just a little bit. She's going to ask a very leading question and say, good, and we're going to leave it there. Why did she ask him if he's a virgin? Why? Isn't there power? Isn't there more power in virgin's blood? Or king's blood. Well, King's Blood, but also vir you always hear about sacrificing virgins in like makeshift ceremonies of like. I don't the, think the she's cult. into that. No? no, 
I just th- I just would think that there's more power in that uh, purity, right? And and, and maybe she, she says good when he's not a virgin. I don't know what that means. I don't but. know anything about it. I'm just taking a stab in the dark. Like, why is she? Why is? Why did she ask that question? That's the one question. Okay, you get to ask. It's just uh, casual elevator John conversation. Just, just, just having a small talk. Why does she say good? Why is that good? But as Zach mentioned earlier, and we talked a little bit about, there's an amazing shot of Stannis and Davos ah. once John arrives up there, looking out beyond the wall, and even when they turn around to chat with John. And Melisandre. Yeah, Davos. Davos has got the Lord's fire. <laughs> Davos has got the Lord's fire. He's pretty pleased with himself. He's just a good hand, you know? He's a great hand. He's a good man. A great hand. I love the trust or the camaraderie that seems to exist between Stannis and John. He gives him a mission, like it ends and more of a more of an assignment, really. This episode, he's like, You're the guy to do this job. I need you to convince Mance to kneel for me, this, that, the other thing. But he tells him everything. There's there's no He's not hiding a thing. We learn that Stannis, that Stannis has set his sight on Roos Bolton and the traitors or the bad men that are holding the North. We know that he wants the Wildlings to fight for him in, the, in this war against the people who are holding the North improperly. And whereas it's, it's honorable for him to be kind of rightfully taking back the North, he's doing it in such a way that it treads on these people's morals and, and kind of who the free folk are. I get it. I get it. But these are pretty darn good terms, offering them <laughs> passage through the wall, offering them lands, essentially. And I understand that they that they have come together into this mass of people and have lived all of their lives as free folk, but... For what's happening right now, I feel like it's time to make some middle ground decisions for a lot of uh, that can be said for a lot that's happening. Knowing the impending doom that's on its way, it's just right. it's just I don't know, people. Can we drop the pride a little bit? Mancerator, I, I completely am I'm with you and I think it's very, very noble the decision that you made, but at the same time there's there's a lot of things that are at stake here. True. Because it would set up his people to be in a great spot. True. Because they would be south of the wall, they would be safe, they would have land, and they would be protected. And he's choosing his own honor over that. It's a bit like Ned. Well, he's he's a musician, and he understands the, the way history <laughs> is passed through songs, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. But I'd like to think that a lot of his salt is, is in, inside, and he also just, beyond the fluff, cares. So... That's cool, and it was, it was obviously we'll talk about it, but that was really rough. What ended up happening? Yeah. I wanted to say I really enjoyed the way Stannis has been written so far this season. His lines were very, like you said, truthful. There was n- there was not a shade of can we be sure of his intentions underneath them. The way he said, "I shall mount Bruce Bolton's head on a spike," you know, it's just like I'm going to go to Winterfell. I'm going to take Bruce Bolton out of Winterfell. I would like for the wildlings to fight for me. It's just, I don't know. He's almost a massive breath of fresh air. It's it's sort of like the right? feeling of seeing two characters we know meet each other or, or say hi to each other that we haven't seen in a long time. It's almost that way every time Stannis is on screen and he starts talking about moving things forward because he's the only guy that's responded in a way of going to the north and and understanding that there's a threat that's coming. And I feel like we got that feeling as he looked toward the north and was possibly thinking about these things but right now he's his thoughts are m- moved inward i guess they want to make sure their back is covered as well but seeing him talk about 
things and not all of these ruses and not about the, the drama that they're personally feeling outside of what needs to be done business-wise. It was just, it was really nice. And not even about the throne. He's, he's, he's taking care of things up north that are of concern to us who like the Starks so much, you know. And he's, he's really, I don't know, I don't want to say he's not focused on the Iron Throne for himself at the moment, but it, he is really taking a detour. Well, like he, he does he, need to take the north to, to take in order King's to get Landing. to right. yeah, King's Landing, right? It, but that's that's still a choice that he made lo- when he chose to 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 ride up there, right? right? You know, I mean, he could have rid, ridden presumably, you know, west and tried his luck at King's Landing again. But like the the route he has decided to take is this way out of his way route, but it involves the Iron Bank. It involves getting their approval to what do whatever his real you know whole full mission is. But in the meantime, he's actually going to take care of these bad guys for us. And there, there's something about, um, too, about the way John, this episode for focusing so much discussion on kneeling, you know, John, when he meets up with him, just kneels right away. But John is still not his bitch, necessarily. You know, he, he, he makes it very clear what he does at the end of the episode. But just Stannis is a force for you. I really like Stannis so much more after the end of this episode, like after this episode, even what even though he did what he did to Mance. Um, you just kind of like him because he's gonna take care of shit. Like he's gonna t- he's gonna get out the Boltons, like with or without the help of the wi- uh, Wildlings. Like I don't know. I never thought he would be. I never thought we'd have that hope. Uh, that I that I feel now for for what Stannis is is gonna do. It's regrettable that he you know does it in the name of the Red God, right? Yeah. Kept, you know, but but still like. I don't know. I, I feel I feel a good sense of hope, and I think Jon Snow is equally committed to seeing the North free, and that that's kind of what they relate to each other about, right? Stannis says to him, like, "Don't you want revenge for 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 your brother Rob?" Um, and Jon knows his place, so he knows it's not his to give, but but he'd like to see that, and I, I think this cooperation that they're going to have at the, at the Wall is going to be overall a, a pretty good thing. I feel as if. The show could possibly, in the story in general, be designed to make us feel these feelings towards Stannis, because so many different people are are doing things, but they're not necessarily taking action. A lot of what we're seeing is is long form setup, or it's personal strifes and personal worries. Like we see scenes of Marjorie and Loras, and they're they're dealing with you know like you can't be with this guy because you're supposed to be married to Cersei and this is King's Landing and so many people know everything so what does it matter like we're we're seeing that on a screen in the same episode that we're seeing a king standing on top of a massive wall telling one of our favorite people in the show that he needs to go convince another king to do something very important or be burned alive you see what i mean like the the weight of what's happening is 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 different yeah regarding screen time so so i think it's it makes sense for us to feel this way towards stannis i think that's part of the design and i'm curious as to i just don't know the momentum is just it's mounting and i don't know where it's leading i i, I after what happened in last year's finale i just i don't know did it feel more it felt more like a falling action episode right like because we talked about how season uh, four had all these episode nine episodes where it's just like huge action. They had the purple wedding. They had uh, Tywin's death at the very, very last, you know, few scenes of last episode. And this is kind of the scene where 
it's a little bit of resetting the pieces, right? We're hearing the the aftermath of Tywin's death by by seeing or not seeing his funeral. We're seeing kind of the fallout of having to manage the wildlings that are now, you know, either on the other side of the wall or wanting to come over. It just it it was it was very there were no climactic battles that I remember in this in this in this episode, but it's the, for all the talking that was there, it did seem to to be to give a lot of hope. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know where I was going with that. I agree. Um, except no, to, I... yeah, ex- except to say it was it was kind of a very peaceful, still very enticing episode. But but seeing some of these characters together, having having it, the scenes appear to be to turning out to be turning out in a way that we would have hoped for is is very kind of rewarding. I think as with any premiere, it has to set the tone for the season. And you don't necessarily need these major impactful moments that completely blow you away. You don't need battles. You don't need horrific deaths, even though Mance's definitely was. Ma- uh, Mance's yeah. death to was very big. To communicate yeah. a point or to, you know, I, I think basically it, it, it laid the groundwork for the wars, the wars to come. To come. Oh, <laughs> Did we all just Sorry, I had to t- just throw that in. That title was good. That felt good. Yeah. I wish you were the best in the wars to come. There was a level of respect, and you guys touched on this, with Stannis and Mance. Mance even talks about how Stannis would be a decent king Yeah, uh, when he's talking with Jon. And it, it all boils down, and Mance had this great line, and a lot of people submitted it for their own, which was all he wanted was the freedom to make his own mistakes. Right. And yeah. that is, to me, speaks to him not, wanting to be a member of the night's watch anymore he outgrew that right a he grew into this leader beyond the wall rallied all these people together john talks about that in this episode and he's a leader of a free people and he feels that it's his right to be able to make these decisions the way he wants to when he wants to and he doesn't feel the need to have to bow down to anybody to serve anybody and it's his ultimate undoing which we see at the end of this episode but you have to respect that and i think stannis probably on some level does mm-hmm. absolutely it wasn't an easy scene for many of the people there i think Celise and melisandre were probably the only two that were in any shape or form Enjoying anything it. more than depressed because it was depressing it was rough to watch the idea of anyone getting burned alive is, 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 you know, we've seen it before violently in the show, but the way it was sort of inched into with the, with the, the, the kindling getting lit slowly. And and that, and that speech that Melisandre gave, that was just, you know, I I feel like, you know, it had its place, but it always feels a little strange to me after thinking what I think about uh, Stannis and then being reminded by Melisandre's presence that she's part of, of what's happening. Like, I, I, I almost feel a need to defend it. Like, he understands that whatever she's doing has real results. So, at the same time, it's like, who am I to doubt? And who am I to say that I'm better than this power that could possibly help me? Right. But at the same time, you know, seeing it happen the way it is, it's just, after feeling so such good about Stannis, you see a scene like this, and you know how Davos is feeling, and you know how everyone else is feeling. It's hard to feel the same amount of good. After you see it. That's true. But I mean, then there's Jon Snow's interruption. 
And it's it's really the perfect, I think that the perfect level, the, the episode struck the perfect chord here between slowly watching Mance um, burn, be burned to death uh, alive and having Jon Snow not just put him out of his misery, but Jon Snow in that scene by shooting him with the arrow in the heart is saying enough, right? Because mm-hmm. after a while, it just becomes humiliating. Like this is still... A king. I, I feel like Jon Snow had some like dignity about the whole situation, where he's like, "You're gonna give him his dignity." Like, yeah, sure, he's on fire. He's he's really trying his damnedest not to scream, which is amazing. Yeah, um, I noticed c- that. Considering the the weight of the scenario and and the way that he killed Mance before it got to the the most terrible, to where he wouldn't have been able to stop screaming. Um, was a very dignified send-off. And, and they still got to burn him. They burned him alive a little bit. And I think everyone is going to walk away happy because Jon Snow, I, I really don't think Stannis is, is, is going to come down on him too hard because ultimately to do something like that to a, another person of high regard, especially in front of the people who regard him so highly, is dishonorable. Yeah, I, I don't see how... I mean, I I understand all of the things involved in Melisandre. I don't want to go into it, and I get yeah. that. Stannis, doing what he says he will do is what someone that in this situation, in this state of the world, needs to do. A king needs to be brave and bold and powerful. But it's just... I don't know. I just feel like it could, obviously these things could have been done, done differently. And he's killed his family members in the past, uh, yeah. or or he's killed his, he's killed people that are very important and in mass and and in groups. So obviously this isn't anything different, and this is not as bad as losing that many people. But we got to see the whole process and feel how somber it was. And so I don't know. It says a lot the way John stepped up in the face of the current king for all intents and purposes and sort of said, like, listen, I was raised in Winterfell. I realized lots of things have been happening in the Seven Kingdoms, but I've been at the Wall, and then I went north of the Wall. I've been mixed with people that are considered savages, and I don't see things like this, and I don't want to stand here and see a thing like this. I think John wants his king to be less psychopathic, and I'm interested to see how that grows and how they right? regard each other after this. Less pyro. Well, that's and that's and that's something that I think is going to be interesting because somebody like Tormund, um, I, I expect to have like an, an uneasy alliance with Jon Snow. They bonded together uh, briefly in the or in the Wall episode about um, about Egret's uh, death, uh, and and that. And I, I feel like they're the kind of characters who are going to. Maybe if if freed, Tormund would let John live. You know, maybe go, maybe leave his captivity without slitting John's throat. So between if it's between John and the Wildlings, there there probably will be less animosity than there might be now with Stannis and the Wildlings. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know how Tormund is going to take ultimately uh, Stannis's desire to recruit them. Um, but I feel like maybe John will still be the key to convincing some of the wildlings to help Stannis out, or maybe none of them will allow, you know, based on what he just did to their king, maybe none of them will go with Stannis. I, I'm kind of really shocked. I, I didn't expect Mance to die at all, which, which looking back was kind of, uh, naive because there are two kings in a very small room mm-hmm. or a small area. Um, and we know what happens to kings on this show, but I, I wasn't ex- expecting it to happen so soon. And, and now I'm just thrown off. Like, I don't know what the wildlings are going to do. And I don't know how Stannis is going to be able to carry out his goals. Well, 
what did the other wildlings have to lose though? Like none of them were considered the great leader that rallied all of these people together. So I think no. if anything, they'll see what happened to Mans and just be like, okay, what do we need to do? I <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, it's going to be cool. Yeah. Cause like Mance died a, a free man's death, you know, like he really, he really did. And it, in one way, it means in one way going South and fighting uh, the Boltons who will flay you alive. There is that. Um, that's pretty darn, it's a hard place to choose between being burned alive or being flayed alive. But uh, Melisandre's like crossing her fingers. She's saying, please, please just refuse <laughs> to fight for Stannis. I would love to burn all hundred thousand of you, please. Yeah. 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 I think that, uh, if you go back and you watch the scene and you look closely at the faces of all the people who are watching mm-hmm. what's taking place. Zach, I think you said this, with the exception of maybe two, there's a there's a different varying levels of agony mm-hmm. that you see in their eyes. Torment and, didn't like it either. That was rough. Yeah. I, John had to walk away. Torment was clearly being tortured by what was going on because, let's face it, this is man. He had a lot of respect for him. One of his... Uh, closest allies and probably one of his closest friends and then you had Sam and Gilly you had uh, Eliza Thorne who was just kind of folding his arms and taking it all in with Janice Slint and you had the rest of the wildlings and the Night's Watch and Melisandre of course was cool she's like yeah, this is another burning day it's not even it's cold for me yeah <laughs> pretty warm actually shireen really didn't seem to take much to it but Celise was you know in that same camp come daughter look upon this but uh i would uh i would encourage people to go back and kind of watch that because i think it's important i would encourage all of you listening to go back and watch this episode oh yeah i'll be watching this episode a lot it was heavy there was not as much in it as we've seen before. It felt incredibly short. I think that's a very common tweet that we've been receiving this evening. Mm. And uh, when I finished watching, that was a very common thought. And I was like, oh my God, this just passed by. And I hope that you listening right now feel the same as this episode draws to its conclusion. That our conversation flowed and you were pulled into a world of magic and, well... Maybe that didn't happen, but <laughs> intrigue and <laughs> yeah, I will say. I mean, when the episode ends uh, on HBO, and I, I look at the clock, you know, sometimes it's fifty-three minutes past the hour, which is short, and sometimes it's fifty-six minutes past the hour, which feels better. <laughs> but at you know, at the same time, between three minutes difference, this episode does hopefully set the tone for the rest, and and obviously the the more exciting subplots like Arya, um, which have been building for for seasons, and Dorne, which I assume has been building since at least last season. Although I feel like in the early seasons, um, Dorne Dorne was always mentioned, and I think mm-hmm. last season, as early as last season, uh, Tywin said to Oberyn, "It's not the Seven Kingdoms unless Dorne rejoins the fray." So I I, I think that Dorne will be important. Um, but I'd look forward to seeing that, and I look forward to seeing Arya, and they were just not not in this episode. But I think this episode was still pretty good at what it did, uh, you know, what it set out to do with the characters that it chose to, to feature. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, <laughs> what are our owns for episode one? Uh, I think Zach almost gave his away very early on in the episode. I, I almost did. I got close. Okay, well, I 
would just like to say uh, this is these are our first owns of season five. Let everyone soak that yes. in for a moment. We're, we're game of owns. This is what we do. <laughs> we assign owns characters, moments of joy, moments that gave us joy, moments that gave characters grief. Everything. This is this is what it is. The art of owning it extends from witty one liners to just. I mean, honestly, I could give a bit here and say these are examples of good owns but literally it's 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 whatever you feel in your heart i think that's important to say right and if you're if you're curious you can go through our twitter feed we've mentioned some throughout the episode obviously our next episode this week will dive into i would piles and piles of (laughs) correspondence from those of you at home but it's time i've i put it off long enough my my own is not I still don't see why I had to stay in this fucking crate when we said sell. <laughs> My own is not. Do you know what it's like to stuff your shit through any of the or through oh, come on. one of these air holes? Those, those would be owns. Those could be owns. Those are not. That is not my own. My own is from the first scene. It is from a young, very young Cersei Lannister, <sighs> and she says, "This is my father's land. My land. Tell me my fortune." Or I'll have your two boring eyes gouged out of your head. You know, that Truly reminds Cersei. me of a of a yeah, awesome young Cersei. No good. And that was a great actress and gosh, I hope we'll see her again, but I also want every other backs backs every other flashback that was ever written in the books so far I want to appear. Um but I, I will say that reminded me of uh Oberyn's story, right? About how Cersei made up the tall tale about how Tyrion had a tail and all sorts of other stuff going on with him. Then he turned out to be very boring, just a plain, just a baby. And here we see her uh, disappointed that this woman doesn't, in fact, have three eyes and cat's teeth. So give a little, get a little, I guess. My own uh, is quite different, but it also goes to a woman. My own goes to Marjorie's wandering eyes. <laughs> when when she walks in uh, on her brother and is just like, oh, hi there, uh, who are you? <laughs> Walking in, getting to know him a little bit, and uh, she tells Olivar to get out in, in a very nice way by just saying, my brother is making the king uh, wait, and he knows how to how to take that, so he gets up, and she just kind of watches him walk out, so... I thought that was very awesome that she she's not embarrassed or ashamed and she's she's there to to get her brother she's she's there to serve a purpose she's she's doing the right thing by getting Loris not to uh not to be distracted so good for her that's my own that's curious and, uh, my own goes to Tyrion and uh it's when he is having a conversation with Varys and he poses the question what is it you want exactly? Peace? Prosperity? A land where the powerful do not prey on the powerless? And Tyrion responds by saying, Where the castles are made of gingerbread and the moats are filled with blackberry wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good to have Peter Dinklage back. It's good to have this back. I was going to say it's good to have you guys back, but we haven't gone Aww. anywhere. No, we yeah. haven't gone anywhere. That's right. That's right. It's- and you listening at home have not gone anywhere. I think we should take this last opportunity because we won't really be able to say it again uh, to say thank you for, for sticking with us throughout the months separating season four and season five. Season five is here and a lot of you that are here are probably here for the first time and we hope that you stick around. This is a journey that I share with my friends and that we share with each other 
And we've been doing this for years now, for 267 episodes now. And it's been a blast from conventions to conventions that are in the future. Everything is very, very exciting. And uh, I can't say enough that um, I'm really, really, really looking forward to what is to come next with these wars to come, if I'm allowed to quote the episode title very boringly. (laughs) I, I think we're both in agreement, all three of us in agreement with everything you just said. It's great to have uh, season five here finally. And uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what is going to happen because I'm just as unsullied as the two of you. More or less. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit more than less, but hey, that's So cool. just like we gave our owns for episode one of season five, we want you to send in your owns. Now that we've taught you the proper way to uh, to do owns, uh, you can just follow suit and uh, come up with a great line or great moment from episode one. There are plenty of them. We've gotten a ton of tweets over the last couple of hours of people sending in their owns for episode one. And uh, they range on just any number of topics. So much. And we're really, really looking forward uh, to reading them on our next episode, which will be later on this week. We will share those with you. So keep sending them in. Uh, you can tweet at us at Game of Owns. You can also uh, scroll upon our wall at facebook.com slash Game of Owns. We will take owns from there as well. Uh, or if you'd uh, like to write us in a longer format, you can uh, send us an email, contact at gameofowns.com. We did mention some of the owns that we did get uh, on this episode, and we will be mentioning more on uh, our next episode later this week. But also, if you want, um, if you're a little concerned, because if you're a first-time own sender, first-time owner um, of this show, first-time listener, and, and want to send in your owns, uh, look at some more examples. You can find more of our examples on each of those social uh, places that, that Micah mentioned, uh, particularly on Twitter where we retweet um, or we have been retweeting uh, some of the ones that we've been getting. There's a bunch just to give you an idea. And if you still don't get it, you can actually uh, search for our username and see all the mentions that we got on Twitter. So you can read all of the things that we'll be reading from are all visible. We're bringing back the musical segment. It's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to, to the episode later this week because it, really, it allows us to, to gather all of the, the falling action. Like right now, it's, it all just happened. So it's, things are still piling on. But after a few days and the, a lot of the, the news cycle and the people that weren't able to watch it are able to catch it in time, like this is a good moment to just kind of like think and, and reflect and bring it all in. And we'll, we'll revisit so much more from this episode. So be sure to tell us things that you'd possibly like us to go into a little bit deeper or yeah. if there are a few things that we left out, yeah, be Zach, all right you, with saying hello. You blew hello. my mind, you, Zach, when you talked about how Mance and John talk about music. That that plays into a thing we learned about Mance in the books when we were reading, right? Right. So exactly. So yeah, that. So we'll talk about that on our next episode too. That was that was amazing. So there's a my there's a lot to this, and there's a lot to what we're all doing together. So check out what your fellow man is doing through our social channels. There's there's a lot of really, really incredible people that listen to the show that put so much time and effort into being an active member of the community. So make Absolutely. friends, say hello. That's why we're all here. And we'll be back in a few days to revisit this episode and revisit everything that's happening. It's pretty darn exciting. And, and we got an email that we feel... Uh, Deserves to be read yeah, before, we, uh, before we head out today. I've been this waiting is, to read this for two weeks. We're diving back I want to read it so to all badly. of you Midsummer Dream episode fans from the off season, excuse me, the on season. <laughs> this one's for you, friends. 
This is easily one of our highlights from the the on season from what we were reading. Easily. So my we talk about we talk about and, and and the on season had a lot of highlights, by the way. It was wonderful, wonderful time off between seasons. But um we we got a an iTunes it was it started as an iTunes review, right? Uh from uh username Taxi Diver. And <laughs> not taxi driver, just so you know. Not taxi driver. Taxi diver. And uh, he initially uh, submitted a uh, review that was uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek and somewhat offensive to my kids. I love <laughs> and, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and very unapologetically. Um, ha- however, after our initial uh, reading of this and, and our back, the subsequent backlash and lots of laughter on the show, uh, which followed, uh, he actually amended his, his review. As we he we should. do this thing, and we didn't mention it yet, but where iTunes, we're in agreement with Apple. And when mm-hmm. you rate and review our show, when you rate it, it's actually if you try and click anything less than the five star mark, it, your computer will freeze and crash and, and die. I don't recommend you trying that. Just stick with the five stars and we'll all be safe in our homes. But we got an email uh, just the beginning of the month, and I think it's without further ado, now it's time to read it. Um, His name is Joe, and he writes in, My own for the entire on season goes to the master trickery of Tywin, Varys, and Peter Baelish, but especially to Tywin for posing the question, you really think a crown gives you power? At a time... All five kings thought that it did. Mm, very appropriate. Signed, taxi diver. <laughs> and then the rest is just for us. P.S. Now I'm a bannerman, so it's no longer a free fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Patreon.com slash Q. Bannerman. Patreon.com slash Q. Also, there's more. <laughs> Zach, One go. more P.S. Love you guys. Your reading of The Red Wedding brought back a lot of memories. It was a truly masterful, award-worthy podcast episode. Great job. That's very nice. Also, he says, wait another PS proof. I am the original Taxi Divers attached. And ladies and gentlemen, you can't see this because this is an audio podcast, but this is literal photo proof that Taxi Diver has written into our show. So I think that it is now only appropriate to leave you emotional. With the promise. <laughs> as emotional as we've all gotten here with the start of season five we're pumped we're excited and episode two is now only just a little bit less than a week away we waited all season you can wait until next week for next week's game of thrones episode but you don't have to wait for ours we'll be back in a few days so hopefully we make the wait a little bit easier until then we are yours and yours alone very truly very dearly we will miss you we are game of bones Guys, I just wanted to know if uh, we ever traveled on a ship together and I was stuck in a crate, would you shovel my shit overboard? Uh, how long is the journey? I don't know. It could be two weeks. could be two months. Could I let you out of the crate, even if it meant that your life might be in danger? Wait.
Do we need to shovel your shit? <laughs> That's my question. 